0: This is 950 Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hello everyone and welcome to the last episode of 950 Feet Behind. Today I'm here with the founder of Factor 8 and Hashtag Girls Club And top sales coach, the amazing Lauren Bailey. Thank you
1: so much for joining me, Lauren. You're so welcome. You know, hearing that kind of an introduction, it just doesn't get old. Just doesn't suck. It's right up there with my husband saying, You know you're brilliant. Oh, it's like my favorite thing ever.
0: (laughs) I should get your husband (laughs) notes. Writing notes for partner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please wake me up every day saying, I know you're brilliant. (laughs) Right? No, it's it's more like when there's a good idea. But, but you're right is also right up there. Don't you love hearing that? You're right. Yes. <laughs> but
0: to be fair, I, I believe I'm right most of the time.
1: Which is why I love to hear it. If everybody else just get on board with how right we are, life would be great. It would be so much easier, right? <laughs> okay. Right.
0: So, Lauren, I want to start by traveling back in time with you a bit. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to your childhood, what is the first thing you remember wanting to be
1: when you grew up? You're going to love this answer because I wanted to be an actress.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Can Something we, in common here. Anything you want to share about that yourself? So when I was a kid, I, I think I wanted to be a pediatrician. That is the first thing I remember. Mm-hmm. So I guess not, neither of
1: us ended up uh, where no, we no. thought we would be. No, I wanted to be an actress, but shortly right after that, I wanted to clean houses for a living. Okay. That that is interesting. Why? (laughs) I think I just liked it as like, I really loved cleaning for this period of time when I was a kid helping, um, clean around the house. That felt great. And I, I, probably got, you know, some strokes for it and I thought, well, this is great. I could do this for a living, but you know, that's the beauty of children and our views of the world. Like, when we go to Chipotle, which is, you know, a Mexican food chain here in the Southwest of the USA, my kids are like, mom, they're hiring. You could get a job here. And I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) Things are going to change if that's, you know, how we're going to pay for everything going forward. But there you go. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. But actress um, was for sure. And that happened for a really long time. And then I will tell you, I'm just going to come out with this because it's like, I've just started admitting it out loud to myself for most of my young adult life. My secret now exposed dream was I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I wanted to work with, um, women and, uh, any underrepresented feeling person to build self-confidence and self-worth. And I just never admitted to that dream because, the things we want the most are the scariest. But Definitely. that's what I get to do now all the time with girls Club. So it's, I didn't realize that that's what it was right. When I conceived of the whole thing and then I woke up one day, I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. This is, this is like the 15 year dream come true.
0: But like when you say you want to be a, a professional motivational speaker, I feel like sometimes now it's a bit different, but sometimes people wouldn't take you as seriously. Because they think, right. oh, you just want to say what everyone wants to hear.
1: Well, and who wants to listen to a 15-year-old say they want to be a motivational speaker one day? It's like, you know, you just want to pat that little girl on the head, which is probably what happened to me, right? We, we get a lot of that. Mm, okay, honey. Stuff <laughs> and so I, I I don't know, somehow it was a learned behavior to, to swallow that, to shrink away from that because the imposter syndrome is real, right? Well, who am I to? That's how that starts.
0: Absolutely. But that is actually quite interesting because I remember before we started recording, you were actually telling me about a lady in your hometown who was a motivational speaker and she kind of validated that dream, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Carol Harder was somebody who just really changed my life. And she talked about the power of positive thinking and she taught relaxation techniques, and I was a stressed out, overachieving perfectionist kid, and I thought that was pretty fantastic. And so that was always my secret dream was to be her one day. Wow! I,
0: is Carol by any chance listening to this? Uh, it is. We <laughs> have to
1: send it. Carol, <laughs> you're the best. Well, Carol, shout
0: up. out! I will make sure
1: that I send it to her. Yes, because I think she'd be very happy to hear you say that. I think that it's the power of role models is something that I didn't catch on to until recently. Um, In fact, it was part of the inspiration for starting Girls Club. I was in a group of women entrepreneurs that was started by the wonderful, amazing author Jill Conrath and is kept Mm -hmm. alive today by just the, the quiet powerhouse Lori Richardson. And she invited oh, I who I know very well
0: because she used to, she was a guest in this podcast as well.
1: Perfect. Yeah, she is pretty cool. And she invited me to join Women Sales Pros, which is a group of established entrepreneur um, women in sales, marketing, revenue, and related roles. So they're speakers and authors and business owners and marketers and trainers, et cetera, et cetera. And I learned so much by being around. Other women business owners like myself, and I—it wasn't until like a year or two into that I realized how much I learned and grew by having these role models, and that had been missing for so long. And and so it was—it was awesome, and that became a really important component and, of course, motivator, inspiration, if you will, for Girls Club.
0: And you said uh, just a while ago that you were an overachieving uh, perfectionist child. Um, oh, yeah. How was it the point in which you decided to let go of that, uh, well, strike to be perfect uh,
1: feeling? That complete crap is what it is. That's what we have to call it. We have to call it what it is Um, within the last few years. So, um, here's the rest of the story, right? So, as you may or may not know, my first company, Factor Eight, is about 15 years old, and I built a really successful sales and sales management training company. And then five years ago, got this idea for girls club. Like I said, motivated by all kinds of different factors. But I knew that one day I wanted to help other people learn to grow their confidence because it's something I struggled with my entire life. That young stressed out perfectionist was really just craving any kind of positive strokes and feedback and love, right? I was a mess. And And I resisted at first doing that because I thought, you know what? I need to go learn it first. (laughs) Like I got really good at faking it, but I'm a mess underneath. And then I realized that if, if I could be brave enough to be authentic with that and learn it out loud, then I could take so many other women on this journey with me. So that's what girls club is. It's this combination of the amazing, Um, sales management training, the skills training from Factor 8, But what we're layering in is confidence building and mentoring and role modeling with a chance to earn some spotlight and some branding in your own company or outside companies. And it's like this perfect combination that comes together to skyrocket women into leadership positions in sales. But it doesn't happen without that authenticity, which is a really, really long answer. To um, when did you start to learn it? And the answer was when I started Girls Club and I started to really learn out loud. I, I I get like most of us wear the perfectionist badge and we do it with pride. And I've learned to take it off. And, you know, now I just keep it in the bottom of my purse. It's got like, you know, some gum stuck to it. <laughs> <a lip> gloss. <laughs> but we all have that badge. We're these overachievers. And I don't think that's healthy anymore. Um one of the things we do is celebrate. Well, we we jokingly call them the 3Fs. The fears, the failures, and the f-ups. And okay. we built this culture where we celebrate those. In fact, we record them. Every month I record a video about one of my 3Fs. And we get other powerful women to do it with us because when you're when you're not so mortified by a mistake, your confidence grows, right? You, you start to let go of your white knuckled grip on perfectionism. And that's when you can build confidence because they can't live. They can't live in the same room, right? Perfectionists will take perfectionism. will take all the air out of the room.
0: It takes all your energy. It's, it, it stops you from trying
1: to do new things. It stops you from trying and it, um, it feeds the the negative self talk monster, right? Because we'll we'll replay that mistake over and over and over and over and over until you start to shame spiral, you know. And you know you're shame spiraling when you feel it in your body. It's like a gut punch. And that's if if you're listening to this and you're nodding, then you get it, right? And the key to that freedom is leaning into mistakes and admitting them, and if you if you can just say any one of your three Fs out loud, even if it's to your dog or journal it, then it just starts to take away its power. And taking uh, that, you
0: started Girls Club, right? You didn't start People's Club. Do you yeah. think that those feelings of self-doubt
1: affect women more than they affect men? I do. And I'm not saying that if you're a man, you don't have imposter syndrome and doubts. And I'm not trying to exclude any person in this. We have men in girls club. We have all right. We've got everything, but yes, I think that there's something special about women. And, um, I listen, I loved geeking out, learning some of the science behind this. So, the male brain's a little bigger than the female brain. And yet mm-hmm. the female hippocampus, this little section, is bigger than the man's. The hippocampus okay. is where perfectionism lives. Mm-hmm. It truly is. We are wired to notice more things than men. It is there. It is a proven scientific fact. We're also wired to make more social connections and we release like serotonin when we build relationships or we hear gossip, like literally that's what happens in the, anyway. So it it all got kicked off for me by another study that HP did and it was called the confidence gap. This was, this was it for me. I heard this while I was at a conference listening to Lori Richardson speak and it was like, Ta-da, I have to do this thing. So um, the confidence gap says, if there's a job posting, let's say it's a promotion at your office and mm-hmm. it's for a leadership position and like any job posting, it will say, oh, the ideal candidate will have to list 10 things, right? A man will apply for that position if he has about six out of the 10 items on the list, right? right. Eh, not bad. They'd be lucky to have me. I'll give it a shot. No problem. I'll take that risk. If I fail, who cares? Guess what the number is for women? They probably strike for the ten. All ten, all ten. And if you if if you really think about it, especially once you've had those jobs, it's ridiculous, right? Like, how are you supposed to know exactly how to do a job perfectly before you've even had the job? But that's yeah, part of, of course, it makes no it. sense. But we do. We wait and we wait and we wait. And if I could tell you how many times I've heard the story. About women who wound up interviewing their boss when they really wanted that job. And then you know what we do? We vote with our employment. We're like, can't believe they didn't ask me to take that job and we leave. But that's the thing, we don't raise our hands. We wait to be noticed, we won't toot our own horns, and we wait to apply until we're perfect. And every single generation, I've got of girls' club, we've got the studies that show this. Why haven't you applied? Oh, well, I've got more to master in this role or think I've got I'm just not quite there yet I'm just not quite ready yet I'm not sure I'm ready to perform at the next level and all of that is just a great big confidence gap so at girls club we're training them to do the job before they get into the job which builds confidence we're teaching them to raise their hands by letting go of the perfectionism right and working on that self confidence
0: yeah that seems about the right way to go and I read in your profile two things that really intrigued me The first one was you want people to go into sales like as a purpose. And when I asked that first question, I haven't had a single guest that wanted to be a salesperson. No one.
1: We all have this story about how we wound up in sales. I do too. And it's a bummer because it is a really great profession. Unfortunately, it's not a well thought of profession. And that's part of why I like to stand behind it because there are so many people, can I be honest, especially women, who do it really well and really right. It's not all yucky, gross, slimy, trying to make you get into something that you don't want. And it's, it's the kind of job where when you're awesome, you make more money than the person who isn't. And for all my young, perfectionist, super striving, overachieving women friends, that's where you belong because you're awesome get paid for it yes definitely and
0: really know your worth right i think what's missing in women and girls is accepting that they're worthy yeah of a job of a better life of money it's always something that. that you feel it's for someone else and even if i go to my peers i see well girls that are earning substantial more money than their male partners Mm -hmm. And you feel bad about it, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm not going to disclose how much I actually earn until we get married or live together. And I have to, because I don't want him to feel bad. Yeah.
1: But why would they feel bad? Yeah. It's so true. You know why? Because it like, listen, this is, we could talk about this for hours, but it's just their societal norms and there's fragile egos and there's media And right, we've been taught really, really young that our self worth has more to do with what we look like than with what we achieve, which is a great big old bummer. But I listen; those women also aren't wrong. I mean, I was there too. I was a, a a powerful woman who made a lot of money and had a big job, and I was single, and it it was a really sad recognition having a, you know, a beer with a girlfriend saying, I I gotta be honest. It just means my dating pool is smaller and it doesn't mean he's not out there, but it means you've got to find a partner. And and whether it's a he or she doesn't freaking matter, but you have to find this partner who isn't threatened, who doesn't have to be the winner who doesn't. Right. So it's like, it's an ego thing. It's a competitive thing. And if we're going to really super mass stereotypes, there are probably more men who would classify themselves as, or we would classify as more competitive or higher ego. Men also super define themselves in their jobs. There was a study recently, I can't even tell you the source, but it talked about, um, that, that job satisfaction for men. It's like 90% of the for 90% of the people, it's their number one determinant to happiness right? Was not the same number. Mm-hmm. for women. So if I'm wrapped up in what makes me happy is my job, and I'm a little bit competitive, right? And, and that's the track I'm on. And I know that to be awesome as a guy or right, that I'll just have a big job. And then this woman who's just supposed to be my pretty accessory has a bigger job than me. Like, oh, oh my God, everything I just said was awful. And you'll probably get huge comments, which is fun. That starts great conversations. But I think that that is sadly, historically, a decently common mindset. And Definitely. Right
0: and yeah, and thinking about that, if I go back at my well, dating life before, if you go into dating apps or even on dates, Men, one of the first things they'll say in the, I don't know, initial five minutes of conversation will be their job, job title, job, and potentially how much they make as well. Right. And women never define themselves with that. They usually go with, oh, I did this, or I studied that, or I love tea yeah. or yeah. Whatever, it is, whatever it is
1: before they go into that. Yeah. Men are really wrapped up in that. And in some ways it's for whoever it is, it's sad. I myself am wrapped up. And that always was, right? And I have girlfriends Mm -hmm. who are wrapped up in that. And the reason it's sad is that it does stop at some point, right? At some point, you either jump out of the hamster wheel or you're spit out of the hamster wheel. And it's tough on those individuals. Who am I without this, right? I think that a man retiring sometimes... Oh, I just thought of this and it's going to be super sexist. So strap in, right? I think a man retiring is very similar to that thing that happens for the moms with the empty nest. Like they define themselves in this role and, and then it's gone. And I think that that's right. We all have to battle against that and have that balance. But listen, I was, as as I came up in corporate America, I got to be honest, I was more of a dude than anything else. I defined myself in my job and I was competitive and I was in sales and I was a leader. And I got to tell you, there was nothing even to this day. This drives me crazy. We're at some neighborhood thing, right? And I wind up talking about freaking kids and Tupperware with the women. And everybody's asking my husband about the business. And can I just be clear for a second? He works in my company. Like, I'm sorry that I have to have such a big ego to say that out loud, but he does. Right? So he's over there talking about what we're doing as a company and factor eight and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm stuck over here and I'm just dying to come over and hang out with the dudes and talk about my company. But it is your company. They're like, wow, that's fantastic, Steve. Really cool. Great. Great. And I'm like, no, I haven't decorated the house yet. I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to get to that. I'm just, you know, it's like, That's that's my jam. I enjoy that more. And by the way, super sexist to me just now to stereotype that all the women want to talk about their kids in Tupperware. Maybe that's just my experience, but I haven't found a mom's group that I felt comfortable in and, you know, (laughs) who wanted me to come back. (laughs) But that is, you got to find your tribe. That's very interesting Yeah,
0: because you, I read in your profile as well that you're, that you had two kids very close together, right? So it would be expected that motherhood had like a big impact in your yeah. career because it's like right? one and then the other, no time yeah. to breathe Why kind I mean, for of thing.
1: Years. Yeah, they are 365 days apart, my little boys. And um, yeah. mm-hmm. they're awesome. It's so funny when women hear that, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And when guys hear that, they're like, high five, Steve. They're like, wow, well done. <laughs> I'm Um, awesome. <laughs> but you know what, if I, um, so they're 10 and 11 right now. And, and if I had the confidence I'd built now, 10 years ago, I think I would have done it differently. I really do. Like I was, shoot, I was sending contracts out on the day I gave birth. I was, you know, oh yeah. I was nursing on conference calls. I worked right through that. You'd been there. Yeah. And yes.
0: Yes, right? nursing and, on conference calls is a jam.
1: <laughs> business trips, trying to do milk management. And it's just, it, it the struggle is real. It is not nice. It is not easy. Um, <laughs> I have so many funny stories in my head and I'm just going to keep this PG. So um, if I were um, me now back then, I would have given myself more time. I would have just- Between the my- two. Yeah, no, no. Well, I didn't have any control over that. Um, I would have given myself (laughs) space to to enjoy the time, to sleep, to self-care. I would have taken time off work. That's what I would have done, right? But listen, when you're an entrepreneur, especially, you're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Nobody's paying my paycheck. I think at the time, though, I probably, even if I was on somebody's payroll, would have worked through it. I was defining myself through work and I was achievement focused and I had, which meant mm-hmm. I had less balance and I had less self-care in my life. And I can't believe I freaking survived it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you did. And that brings me to another very interesting subject, which is I want to know your opinion about that struggle women have when they become moms yeah. in which they either are a success at work and a failure with their kids, mm-hmm. or they're the other way, and yeah. we're always like jiggling between two and trying to be well perfect at both. Right. Uh, what do you think that
1: pressure is, and why do you think it exists for women and not for men? Yeah, I think the pressure is bullshit, and I think the reason is because the uterus is actually lined with guilt. Scientists have proven it. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. Um, <laughs> but, it, but, but mom guilt is real mom guilt is absolutely real. And, um, you nailed it in the question because I think that the struggle is, is laced into the standard. When we think we have to be perfect at both, we can't be perfect at either. Um, and, and I think that when we have to do it all ourselves without help, we set ourselves up for failure. And I'm going to go even more bold because I'm having a lot of fun getting myself in trouble on your podcast.
0: Oh, go ahead. It's the right. last episode. Right. <laughs> we this, close this off brilliantly at
1: this stage. I like really super hope nobody ever listens to this. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry, but that's true. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, now these are things that, that just need to be said for sure. For sure. But I'm great at both. I'm going to be honest with you. I do. I do both. Awesome. I do neither perfectly and I get a lot of help and I literally felt those things happening at the time and realized how important it was, right? The first time that your partner tries to change a diaper, yep, they're not going to do it right, but if you don't let them do it, they will stop, you know, the first time that the partner puts the baby to bed and they cry a little longer and it doesn't go perfectly. You got to let that go. Cause if you don't like, I I think it's just so many marriages struggle through that, but he helps me, which is the wrong way to say it. We're equal partners. And if I really kept score, he does more than I do and I get help. I've got somebody who cleans the house. I've got somebody who, right, I had babysitters. I had nannies. I had trusted help. I bought that for myself, right? To this day, I still do. I have a housekeeper. Her name is Tomasina, and she is like amazing. She does helps with shopping, and she helps with ironing, and she helps with figuring out what the heck to get the little six-year-old boy for the birthday present and then winds up with it wrapped with a gift tag and a receipt. And she lets me show up as the mom that, you know, I want to be. And when my kids are like, oh, mom, you're such an amazing cook. This is so great. For a minute, I'm like, I didn't cook this one. <laughs> this is all this is not me. And I think about giving myself a hard time and I just let it go. And I say, nope, this one was tea kids, but it is awesome. I love it too.
0: But I get everyone to- needs help. Everyone right? needs help. We can't do it all on our own. And what you said was very valid. My mom also said, always said that when she was talking about my dad, I don't know, ironing clothes or whatever it was, they're like, oh, you're so lucky. Your husband helps you so much. And she's like, he's not helping. He's my partner. He's a father of my kid. He's not helping. He's so parenting. Yes. Like we both work. How is it helping me? How
1: is it my obligation in the first place? And this is, I think, why you're even asking these questions because... When historically, they were helpers and we were lucky to have it. This is what our mothers, grandmothers, aunts, great grandmothers lived through. And each generation, we get a little better, don't we? And we get a little closer and we get a little further. And um, I can't wait to see what it's like in 20 or 30 years. But we ask these questions and we share these stories because some of us are um, looking for role models of when it is done well. And others of us are way out in front and need to share the stories, but we're all, we're all rising, and, right? And if we can raise the water, then all the boats go up. What's the, what's the phrase? What is that, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. And, and so we've got to talk to each other and share it so that it is a rising tide and not all of us doing it individually. And I think that that, that right there is the power of women. We build connections and relationships, but we're not always in communities where we can find each other and help each other. And so we have to go outside of our department or neighborhood or family or company to create that community. And I will tell you one more time that that, that chokes me up sometimes about Girls Club. I get texts all the time. Oh my gosh, I'm in Atlanta and I ran into or made sure I met with and like we're we're building this unfair advantage. We're building this opportunity to share and role model and grow together, right? As, as humans. But and why is
0: it unfair? Some of the people have had it for
1: decades, centuries longer than us. You're right. It's not unfair at all, but it's so powerful. It feels like it should be. Oh, that's beautiful now.
0: Kind of got me speechless there for a bit,
1: (laughs) but it it, it truly is, isn't it? When, when you hear these stories and you get inspired and you see where and how you can rise, um, it's awesome. It's really awesome. I I think that's what we're here on earth to do in general. Definitely. And I just looked
0: at the time and I'm already over time because that's always me. That's always me. No, this has been an amazing conversation. So you know what? It doesn't matter. It's the last episode. If it's a bit longer, I'm sure our listeners ears can uh, will handle it
1: because I still have two questions that I really, really need to oh, ask. So I've got like 27 for you built up. So I will try to keep my answer short. And so we can talk. No, you. no, no. It's okay.
0: It's okay. Um, we'll, we'll keep this as long as it needs to be. So first question also, in your profile, you talk about dress codes, changing oh. mindsets and dress codes. What is the thing about dress codes here? Say it again, I, I, because I'm not even tracking you. In the in your LinkedIn profile, yeah. when you talk about sales coaching and sales training for girls, you say yeah. something about changing
1: dress codes and the way we I, dress, the way we look. Oh, isn't that funny? I have I this is I'm, I I think I'm having a senior moment. I'm gonna have to go back in and read it. I, I honestly <laughs> I to don't know. It sounds like something I would say in trying to be cheeky, right? Like. We're going to change the face of sales. Maybe we're going to change the dress code of sales. Right. So that there's was more the women un- in it. Is that what you got the from
0: it? intern. I thought it was because of that, um, you know, the vibe that women always have to dress super well and men, like powerful men go out in like a t-shirt and jeans and whatever, but women it's so true. Like I love they need to dress same from. dress.
1: I, well, I thought so. I got to go look that up. <laughs> I, and I've never been asked a question before, and I don't remember writing it. That's awful. Okay. I'm looking it up. You know, I'm there's done. this ongoing
0: joke that like, apparently some startups when they do something and it messes up, they just say it was an unpaid intern. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm sure the unpaid intern
1: put a comment about dress code in my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I, I don't, I I can't even come up with something funny about that. I have no idea what that is or where I was No worries. and my
0: last question uh, on my side is we've talked a lot about women, mothers, the workplace for both women and men. And what do you hope will change in the next couple of years? What do you think will be when our kids grow up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that the next big frontier for us is equal pay. I think we made some great strides. But, um, that is what I'm going to hold on to. And, and I don't know how yet, but that's the vision. That's, that's what we've got to go and fix. And, you know, 10 years ago, uh, everybody kept talking about how do we get more women into sales leadership? And I just got sick of the conversation because everyone goes around in circles about why it is, and you know, blah, blah, nobody was fixing it. And that's the next one for me. And I'm not done going in circles yet. I don't have a theory on how to fix it, but that is absolutely next on my plate.
0: Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Um Lauren, so this episode is a little different. I know we're already over time. Uh you said in the beginning you had a couple of questions for me as well as a surprise. So please feel free. All right, this is great. I don't have unpaid
1: interns on my profile. <laughs> uh uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't have any, I studied zero before this, but please, will you tell me about your family? Because you've mentioned a little one and a partner.
0: Oh, yes. So um, I have a partner and a one-year-old girl. So that is my little family. It's it's a recent journey, motherhood uh, for me, but so far so good. Uh, She's awesome. And to be fair, I thought that handling both would be a lot worse. But like you said, I embraced the help around me. I embraced help from friends and family. And I always made sure I wouldn't take it up on myself to do everything. And then when I had to release and go on a date night or go out with the girls or stay and work longer, I wouldn't blame myself for it.
1: Good job. Was it hard along the way? Like, did you literally feel yourself going down the road of, no, I can't because, or, oh, I have to do this. And then did you have to self-correct or do you feel like you nailed it with the intent from the beginning?
0: I think, and I don't want to go into any self-promotion. There's obviously moments of doubt, but I think in the beginning, I always wanted to make sure that I don't define myself over this one thing. Uh, So I didn't want to define myself with my job and I didn't want to define myself through my baby. So I always said, it's still me. I'm a mother, but at the end of the day, it's still me. And I still need time for me and to do the things that make me happy. So I'm not going to engage in that guilt along the way because I felt like it doesn't make sense. I'll live a very guilt-free life.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's the best life ever, right? You have a great big J-O-B as COO in a SaaS startup. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Um, Was that the goal?
0: Well, it depends on where, um, who you're asking, if it's the small me, medium-sized me, or, or nowadays me. Uh, so I wanted to have uh, some job in a public eye. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a writer uh, as well. I still write. Um, and the startup world, actually, I bumped into it by mistake. Uh, years ago, when I lived in London, I was just looking for a job to stay in the city. I had gone there on a temp job, but I loved it. And I didn't want to come back to Portugal. And... To be completely fair, when I first went to the interview, I didn't even truly know what a startup was, uh, but I ended up getting the role. It was a sales role predominantly, and I just loved it. And it wasn't just about the sales or just about the community in which I later on got involved. It was about building something and the thought of mattering in a company and really making an impact and it not just being the nine to five doing the same task over again actually having a say. So in terms of corporate, I think that startups are, and I dare to say they always will be um, the thing I like doing the most.
1: Yeah, I get that. I'm a builder and a fixer. I'm not a runner, right? I don't like that as much. So you you strike me as somebody who really knows herself and who has an abundance of confidence, which I admire greatly. Um, If you had to credit that, How did you build that? How did I build that? I would say mostly
0: uh, through acting. So I was actually a very shy child. um, Very, very shy. I would open up after a while of talking to people, but I was quiet in my corner uh, like you. I was a sort of straight-A student. And that had a a bit of a negative impact because people didn't really understand me because they were more interested in other things that I was... I think a bit of a mature child so i didn't enjoy hanging out with children um and then when i started doing acting all of a sudden it was just a click my personality completely changed and if i got the confidence to go on stage i got the confidence to talk to people and that's actually funnily enough when i did my first sales related job which was just selling bread at a local fair and i remember people that knew me from my childhood this is in my hometown that knew me from my childhood would go there to buy some bread and then tell my parents, oh my gosh, she's changed so much. Like water to wine. I can't believe it's the same girl. Yes. I love that.
1: I love that. And here's my last question. What's your biggest hope for your daughter when she's your age?
0: When she's my age? Well, um, I think the biggest hope uh, for me would, uh, would be that she'd be happy, um, which is like the, I think the dream that every mother has. But if we're talking about something realistic, it would be that she knows herself well enough
1: to make choices that make sense for her. Mm, that's so good. So good. Do you find that that changes sometimes your decisions, your parenting decisions, your communication decisions, your, right? Like I, I try to actively build confidence in my boys and, mm-hmm. and that it's not easy to do it's really easy to fall into traps. Like for instance, one of the things you're supposed to do is um, not praise somebody for the end result, but for the effort, right? Instead of, Oh, I got an A and I'm saying, I'm so proud of you saying, how do you feel about that? Right? Those are two things that I've read that I'd like, Oh, I have to self correct on a daily basis. Do you find yourself doing those things or do you think it's just natural? Well, she's still,
0: Quite small. Uh, so her end results she are not it, of, that, <laughs> of, of that importance. But I, I find myself sometimes being driven by fear. Um, and if she's trying to do something, climb up something, and my heart is pounding, but at the end yeah. of the day, I just let her do it and I let go, unless it's completely dangerous. And then obviously I'll pick her up. But if it's just trying to climb, she actually learned today because it's, it's almost uh, 9 p.m. here. She actually learned today when I was giving her dinner to open one of the doors to the laundry room. Um, so I was looking at her and thinking my life now will never be the same because that has a detergents and She's it's open usually door closed. Now. And now and now she can open the door. But at the end of the day, you know, it, I just let her be because I know that's important for her to be able to achieve things as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, truly. You translated that beautifully. That is exactly what I'm talking about right? Because it's so easy to then jump in and protect. But that is not fanning the flames of the, the confident young person. And so that's so cool. I think that you're going to raise one hell of a human being.
0: Thank you so much. And I yeah. think that when your boys turn into adults, they also won't be the stereotypical macho. Um, and we'll see a big change altogether. Um, so right?
1: I have to end this now because we're well over time. Um, Feel free to edit half of this out. I just really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know each other.
0: No, I'm not going to edit it out. No, no way. Because it was a a good, honest conversation. And I think the
1: world needs less editing and more good, honest conversations. Right? Yes. Hey, everybody, take that advice to your social media accounts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't pretend you're in Bali. (laughs) Don't pretend you're in Bali when you're just at a local beach.
1: (laughs) Right, don't Photoshop in stuff over the crowd. The best Christmas card I ever got was somebody's one year old on Santa's lap just throwing a fit. Just like red faced and angry and <laughs> perfect. That's
0: how they are. They're kids. Yes. They're allowed to be like that. Yeah the same way. You see models now wearing probably their C section scars and their stretch marks. And you know what? Good for them. Because Good. no one goes through birthing a child and leaves with an amazing body within 10 right. minutes. Yeah, I could it, barely I walk.
1: come out unscathed. I have a magnet that says parenthood, the toughest hood you'll ever go through. I don't know if you know that, like in hood in America is like, you know- Yeah, like yeah, 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 hood. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to end it. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Definitely. You so You're fantastic. Thank you so much, Lauren.
0: It was an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing all your stories. And well, if this does go wrong for any of us, let the comments come and we'll do episode do two with uh, frequently asked questions our listeners asked. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Have a good night. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you so much for coming with us on this journey as well. I can't believe this is the last episode already. Um, but definitely there will be a season two coming soon, so please stay tuned. Bye, everyone.